The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Patch of Land. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the UR Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Jean Bach-Reisel, and she is a miracle worker. She's doing the impossible, and I'm excited about what she's doing uh, at uh, a new organization she calls 10,000 Beds. Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for having us. Well, we're thrilled to, to talk to you more, but uh, Jean, uh, tell us what is 10,000 Beds. 10,000 Beds is a nonprofit organization that we founded almost exactly a year ago. Uh, it came from the need for addiction treatment for people who don't have any resources. Uh, we saw the need and we decided we were going to try to do something about it. So uh, a lot of people who end up in uh, the grips of addiction ultimately end up with no resources, no personal resources. Uh, sometimes parents and other family members have resources, but that's not always the case, is it? No, it isn't. And sadly, um, sadly, when you're an addict, you ask and you ask and you ask, and because families love and love and love, they give and give and give, and then there's finally a breaking point. And families and friends say, we've done everything we can do to help, and the addict ends up on their own. It's their own fault, um, but it's a sad situation. Situation. And that often end up on the streets. When they end up on the streets, uh, they literally have no resources. They have nowhere else to turn but us. Now, I live right downtown, and uh, I, I see it all the time. Uh, I'm surrounded by uh, uh, homeless people I see every day. Some have become genuine friends. They're, they're part of the fabric of the neighborhood. Uh, but it is extremely difficult to, to figure out how to help them. Most of them, it is my perception from observing their behaviors, struggle with an addiction of one kind or another. Uh, and I think most frequently of the chronic homeless I observe, it appears to be heroin. Uh, yes, heroin is definitely the drug today that is scaring all of us. It's everywhere. It's rampant. There are actually campaigns all over the United States in little small towns that have numbers that are astronomical and very scary and very sad about how many lives have been taken in that small community by heroin. Now, just a, a tragic thing. So, so what is the goal of 10,000 beds? Well, our goal is by 2020 to have 10,000 beds, but I probably need to, I need to describe what 10,000 beds is. Um, can you still hear me? Because we have a yes. little malfunction here. Uh, our, um, our goal is to make sure that we're doing things in a new way. There have, been a, there have been programs and there are programs now that are outstanding and are awesome that are placing addicts in uh, treatment all over the United States. And they use kind of the standard fundraising method of reaching out to corporations and individuals for large cash donations. Rehab is not, uh, it's not cheap, it's expensive. And when you put somebody through re rehab, it can cost you anywhere from five to 10, up to 35, $50,000, depending on the rehab and the program and the needs of the, of the client. And we just felt like reaching out to people for those large sums of money probably wasn't the 
model that we wanted. And so we reached out to the treatment facilities directly. We actually were a little concerned that maybe we were not going to be able to have the response that we wanted because we thought since nobody else was doing it, maybe it wasn't a good idea. But the response we've had has been unbelievable. We receive um, uh, calls every day. I receive emails every day. We have an application page on our website, which is 10,000beds.org. And people are reaching out to us individuals as well as facilities saying, how can we help? This came, Devin, because in the mornings I was talking to addicts who needed help. And as I talked to them, uh, my heart went out to them because they didn't have insurance, they didn't have cash, they'd burned every bridge. There was really nothing I could do except for send them to Salvation Army, which is an awesome program, or some others. And then in the afternoon, I'd go tour, tour facilities that I wanted to have a relationship with. And there were always empty beds. And as I was doing this day after day, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, there's an equation here that needs to be solved. And so we came up with the idea of 10,000 beds. A bed so, is the equivalent. No, I was going to say, but tell us what a bed is. A bed is the equivalent of a minimum of 30 days of scholarship treatment. So if a facility donates what we call a bed to us, they're giving a bed in their facility for 30 days and the treatment that goes with it within their programs that are available to an addict that we have screened, that has met the qualifications that we have, as well as the qualifications of that treatment center, and they're scholarshiping that treatment. So have you now put some people into beds? Absolutely. We're placing every week, and we're also adding partners every week. How is it going? Do you have any success stories yet? Yeah, we have several success stories. Um, my favorite success story is a young man named Jake, who we placed in Arizona. Um, the story is really interesting because he was laying on the floor of uh, a train, a light rail train, in Phoenix, Arizona with his girlfriend, passed out. And someone handed him my card as they were getting off and said, if you want to save your life, call this lady, which is a pretty humbling thing for somebody to have done with my name on a business card. We're in separate uh, facilities in separate states. And because of that, we were able to uh, uh, watch them over the last five months now, just go through the program, get stronger, get better. Um, there have been some bloops, there have been some, some issues, there have been some times when they weren't sure they were where they needed to be, but they've been addicts for a long time. They've been living on the streets for six months and uh, homeless and you know begging at the corner so that they could get drugs that night. She's 23, he's 27, they both have children amazing young people. I love them both. I've met them both. Um, and they're both, they're both in the program. Oh, that's great. And they're doing well in the program so far? They are. They are. It's got to be one of the most difficult and challenging things there is to do in the world to, uh, to give up uh, a drug when you're addicted to it like that, whether it's alcohol or, or uh, other narcotics. Uh, I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult. You know, I can't even imagine. I'm not a recovering addict, but I have surrounded myself with, on my board of my nonprofit with recovering addicts who are my heroes. Um, these people have hit bottom maybe more than once, maybe more than a dozen times. Uh, several of them have spent time in jail, have been to rehab one of them 14 times before it took, and yet today, 
They're living lives that are productive. They are um, helping others who need help. And they're supporting me at 10,000 Beds because they know that there are people out there. They were that person that were helping me. I couldn't have a better boy. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's just such inspiring work that you're doing. Um, how is the uh, scaling going? You've got a goal of 10,000 beds by 2020. Uh, are you keeping up with demand uh, at least, or are you already behind the curve? I mean, that seems to be where the market is, right? There are more, more demand for beds than beds. That's true. And part of it is because I am one person <laughs> and I, don't, I only have 24 hours in a day. Right now, we're bringing on someone to support me, which will just change my life dramatically. But it's important for people to understand that the process involved with receiving a scholarship from 10,000 Beds is not a slam dunk, and it's also not overnight. Once they fill out that application, there's a lot of time in reviewing the application, talking to the person that has submitted it, making sure that they're really somebody in need, and also making sure that they're ready. Because unfortunately in the addiction world, there are people out there who know how to use the system and they will go and stay at, stay at a rehab for 90 days and then they'll get out and they will relapse and then they'll go stay in another rehab for another 90 days. That's not the person we want. We want the person that has really hit bottom, they've burnt their bridges and they, have, they know that if they don't get treatment this time, they probably aren't going to live. That's the person we're, we're trying to help. Are we behind? We are behind. I right now have 25 applications that I need to review. But the flip side of that is I have almost 200 facilities that have committed beds, either in writing or verbally to us. And so it's a matter now of just connecting the dots, making sure that these 25 applicants, and honestly, out of the 25, about half for me. And then I have to send it off to the facilities, and they have to qualify for them. So by the time we get done with those 25 applications, we will probably place about eight of them. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, uh, Jean, you're doing some amazing work. And really, you are uh, well-known in the nonprofit community. You, you have been around the, the block a time or two doing great things in, in other, other spheres. Uh, you're a role model to a lot of people. Who do you look up to? as a role model? Who inspires you? You know, that's an interesting question because I can, you know, run the gamut from uh, the people in my faith and uh, my family who are just ethical, strong, spiritual people to people that I've worked with over my career, which has spanned 40 years and gamut of where I might have worked in the fields I might have worked in. But today, where I am right now, my heroes are addicts in recovery. And I, I have the most admiration for them. And one in particular comes to mind. His name is Aaron Ernst. He's on my board. He works uh, for, an, uh, for a rehab. He, he is the one that went to rehab numerous times, uh, over a dozen times, uh, has a past that he told me he didn't want to tell me about. And he is one of the most amazing young men I have ever met. He's about to get married. And uh, I, he's my hero. I, I absolutely adore this young man. He's in the industry. He's working to help people that need help, and he understands it because he's been there. Amazing. He just had three years sober. Um, there are others, 16 years sober, six years sober. I can't even comprehend what they've been through. 
I've lost a child in birth. I've gone through, I've lost my parents. I've, I've dealt with the child that is an addict. I've never been an addict myself. I don't get, get it, but they have a strength that I don't think I have. Well, it, it, it really is uh, something that is admirable, isn't it? Now, Gene, you say that you aren't a recovering uh, addict yourself. Clearly, I think it's easy to understand that uh, we all need help at times, uh, and addicts certainly are no exception. Uh, I understand why we should help them. What I don't understand is why you care, why, why this is so personal to you that you would devote so much of your life to this, to solving this problem. Well, the big picture answer to that is our family has been affected by addiction. Um, the shortest answer to that is I have a son who's in recovery right now. He lived with me. He's 32. We went through the addict finally after being, you know, really blind as most parents are because we haven't lived in that world. So we don't recognize it. Um, and I'm trying to help him feeling like we were failing. And then him finally hitting bottom, making the decision that he wanted help. I have for a long time been saying that we had had a family meeting and done an intervention that failed. But I recently said that when he was present and he corrected me and it was really illuminating to me because he said, the family intervention did not fail. Then made the choice, which was months later, the reason I made the choice to call and find help and not take my own life or um, not take my own life or make a bad decision was because of that family intervention months earlier where my friends and my family had told me they loved me and that they would support me and that they were there for me. So intervention is important, family support is important and continuing to love is important. He, I'm happy to say, is in recovery. He's He's doing amazing. He is in a great place. He will fight this or at least deal with it the rest of his life. He knows that. We all know that. And what made me understand that as a parent, the resources are out there, but how was I going to find the best resource? How was I going to find the best rehab? When you go online and you look at the websites, you know that they have a great website. You don't know much more than that. So I wanted to be the person that could help people kind of sort through that, take some of the pressure off families and give them some options researched. They can still do their own research, but at least I can give them, give them a head start. Yeah. Well, you're, you're doing amazing work and I appreciate you sharing that intimate uh, family story. I know that's uh, deeply personal, but I think it's, it helps us to understand your work and your motivation and, and your desire to actually help addicts. <clears throat> now, Gene, we ask all of our guests for what we call an impact hack, a tip that would help us do more good in the world. Uh, what's yours? I thought about this because you did let me know ahead of time that this might be something you'd ask. And for me, I think it's that I try very hard not to judge. Um, have a lot of impact with a lot of people by reserve judgment and I just look at them as an awesome human being that maybe got headed down the wrong road 
took the wrong road of their own choice, got dealt a bad hand, whatever it might be, what hand that I might be able to help them in, they, they didn't want to be there. They just ended up And whether it's their fault or someone else's fault, doesn't matter to me. I just want to help if I can. So no, no judgment. I'm human, so I'm not going to say I don't ever judge, but I try not to. I think it's a really good observation. I think it I think most of us try not to judge, and yet it is sort of a booby trap we, we tend to fall into all the time. Uh, and we see it in subtle ways, especially with re- with respect to people who suffer from addiction. Uh, I think uh, some of us simplistically look at these situations and say, well, you had to shoot up the first time to, to become a heroin addict. Uh, uh, what's your response to, to that thinking? Now, there are lots of people that have different ideas about addiction, but since I've been in this industry and met recovering addicts, conversations with people who are still using, gone and visited clients who are in rehab, be there. None of them intended to be there. None of them, they, they may have made the choice by their actions to end up there. This path that they took, that was never their intent. And the one thing I've learned about addicts is most of them have tried to quit on their own. You know, they started using at a party or with a friend or it was a one-night thing at prom or they were stressed over work and they used it to stay awake or they had painkillers. There are all kinds of reasons that someone can become addicted. And thought to themselves, you know, I can do this on my own. And oftentimes, well, most of the time they can't. They need help. And... Um, I mean, a lot of the people that I've worked with, one man was so sad, he called me from Alabama. He was the truck driver. He'd had an injury 30 years ago. They put him on a pain med. He became addicted to that. He went to another doctor and said, I'm addicted. I know I'm addicted to this. Please give me another medicine so I can get off this and not be addicted. And he was given another. This is what we're seeing in our headlines a lot right now, too, is that the pharmaceutical uh, industry and the doctors are, are being made to... Uh, and I think they're coming to the realization on their own as well that these prescribed drugs are causing a lot of damage. Yeah. And that they need to be much more careful, much more careful. Yeah. Well, Gene, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us to share your personal and intimate thoughts on this. I commend you for the great work you're doing because I really see you as playing a key role in just a tremendously important fight to help uh, incredibly valuable Uh, and worthwhile people in our community. And so I thank you for doing that. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. We, uh, we appreciate you. I know you personally, so I appreciate everything that you're doing and 10,000 beds is just going to keep pushing forward. And I have to put a plug in if that's okay, that if anybody's interested in supporting us, they just need to go to our website, one zero 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 ten thousand beds. And, uh, they can contact me. They can, Make a donation. They can just send words of support. We would love to hear from anybody. Well, uh, Gina, uh, and then uh, how are how can people get in touch on uh, social media as well? Well, we are on Twitter. We're on Facebook as Ten Thousand Beds. Uh, they can go to our website and they can reach me directly at Jean J E A N at Ten Thousand Beds dot org. That's the way to reach me. Fantastic. Well, Jean, thank you very much for being here today, and we wish you every success filling those beds. Thank you, Devin. We appreciate it very much. Let's do some good. 
At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Patch of Land is the leader in real estate crowdfunding with a mission to provide real estate entrepreneurs with easy access to capital from thousands of investors who want to invest in the revitalization of American neighborhoods. Patch of Land is building wealth and growing communities. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.